Hi, welcome back to Growing Up Halal. I'm your host, Sophia. And I'm your host, Hanan. So today's episode is going to be about a very serious issue that has affected the lives of so many, and it's the Kashmir conflict. So, Jammu and Kashmir is a predominantly Muslim region located in the northwest of the Indian subcontinent. It's well known for its pristine beauty from its snow-capped mountains to gleaming lakes. The Persian poet Amir Khosrow had famously described the land as paradise on earth. Unfortunately, despite all of its beauties and wonders, Kashmir remains a territory of political dispute between India and Pakistan. The region also has a large community of Hindus, Buddhists, and Sikhs. The conflict has left 90,000 dead, including civilians, and over 8,000 Kashmiri families have lost loved ones. So today we brought on a special guest, someone who is well-versed in this matter, to discuss this important issue. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Zoheb, a Drexel a University student and Kashmiri artist and graphic designer. Assalamualaikum. So Zoheb, would you like to give us a brief summary on Kashmir's conflict in history? Yeah. Due to retaliation, rebellion, and conquest, the borders of the empire have been constantly changing. In terms of partition, Kashmir's stance has always been to gain a referendum to decide uh, if Kashmir should join either state or become its own state. The two treaties that were signed uh, in Kashmir's history were one treaty with Pakistan, which uh, said that Kashmir would be allowed to trade and uh, citizens would be able to make free travel uh, between uh, Pakistan and Kashmir. Um, and then later, a second treaty was signed between um, the leadership of Kashmir and uh, India, which was a document of accession, which said that uh, Kashmir would be a part of India, but with its own autonomy and its own government, which never seemed to happen. In terms of military rule, um, Pakistan's military rule extends uh, to Azad Kashmir, uh, Azad Jammu Kashmir, um, and Indian military rule. Uh, extends into Srinagar and Jammu and Kashmir. The two rules meet at the line of control, which divides uh, Pakistan administered Kashmir and Indian occupied Kashmir. There have been three wars fought so far over uh, Kashmir between India and Pakistan. The autonomy and government of Kashmir's rule over time has faded. Kashmir was allowed to have its own autonomy, but over time, India has stripped away each part of Kashmir's own government. And now it has come to the point where Kashmir has no government on the Indian-occupied side. Any political leader that objects Indian rule is put under house arrest, and many others have suspiciously gone missing or ended up in uh, jail. And for my next part, uh, this is a trigger warning for rape. Um, the Indian army has used many tactics to suppress, revolt, and control the population of Kashmir. Tactics which include blinding protesters with rubber bullets to the eye, and another tactic including mass rape. In Kunan and Poshpura villages, uh, the Indian military carried out a mass rape in the villages at, the, at a night uh, in 1991. One of the things uh, a local said was, Grandmothers were raped in front of their granddaughters, and granddaughters were raped in front of their grandmothers. The Indian military over and over uses uh, oppressive tactics to suppress um, the Kashmiri population.
Yeah, so let's talk about what happened in the last year. So on August 5th, 2019, Indian Prime Minister Modi stripped Jammu and Kashmir of their special status that granted it significant autonomy according to the Indian Constitution. So essentially, this move was illegal and it breached the Indian Constitution. But following this, Modi sent 38,000 troops to occupy the area, heavily militarizing the entire region. And following this move, India posed a lockdown on the region of Kashmir. And this lockdown included a shutdown of internet and telecommunications, making it almost impossible for journalists to report on anything happening in the area. According to the New York Times, their journalists have no access to the news or social media. Uh, These journalists cannot fact-check anything online or make phone calls and have to do their work the old-fashioned way with notebooks and pens. So essentially, this slowed down reporting in the area, and we might not be aware of all of the atrocities that could be happening in Kashmir right now. Mm -hmm. And as of September 2019, Indian authorities in Kashmir have arrested nearly 4,000 people. And in October of that same year, the spokesperson for the UN High Commissioner of Human Rights expressed the office's concern over how the people of the Indian administered Kashmir have been deprived of basic human rights. Starting on October 31st, the changes to Kashmir's constitutional autonomy were officially implemented and the region is split into two union territories belonging to India. These union territories will be governed by lieutenant governors who report to New Delhi, allowing India to tighten its grip over the region. On November 4th of the same year, a grenade attack in Kashmir killed one person and injured 45. This attack was blamed on the insurgents who were angered by India's decision in August regarding Kashmir's constitutional autonomy. In January of 2020, the Indian Supreme Court ruled that, quote, the indefinite internet shutdown of Kashmir is illegal. And as a result, Kashmiris are granted access to government-approved 2G websites, which, as we know, are limited in functionality and information. The restrictions of this lockdown is also negatively affecting Kashmir's pandemic response. Like the rest of Kashmir, doctors in this area have little to no access to internet, making it difficult for them to use technology and access important files that will help them treat and test patients. When they are able to access the internet, It's extremely slow, slowing down their efforts to handle the pandemic in the region. So one of the most significant news coming out of Kashmir occurred on March 31st of 2020 when the Indian government defined a domicile in Kashmir. So this domicile act uh, will allow and grant residency to uh, people who are not native to the Kashmiri region. What does this domicile act mean? It means that anyone who has resided in Jammu and Kashmir for 15 years will be uh, allowed to buy property. Anyone who has studied in Jammu and Kashmir for seven years um, will be allowed to buy property. All uh, children of central government employees who have served in the Jammu and Kashmir uh, for 10 years, even if they have never resided in Jammu and Kashmir, will be allowed to buy property. All migrants that are registered with Relief and Rehabilitation uh, Commissioner in Jammu and Kashmir will be allowed to buy uh, property. So what do these changes mean? Uh, What they basically mean is that land can be transferred to people who are not uh, native to the region. This means that uh, thousands of Indian citizens can now apply for government jobs in Jammu and Kashmir in hopes of being granted property. 
or the right to buy property. Yeah. Um, so this means that demographics will definitely be shifted in Jammu and Kashmir uh, in terms of its population, um, which would ultimately also affect a, uh, the referendum vote. This is also pretty much a systematic way of paving um, the way for colonialism in Jammu and Kashmir. So you're saying that more Indians are trying to buy a property in Kashmir right now? Yes. So that might be another way for Modi to tighten his grip on the region because now that's hard for, it's harder for actual residents to own property because of all of these BGP laws that prevent them. So it's kind of similar to how is the Israelis are urging Americans and people from other countries to settle in the West Bank to change the demographic of the area and kind of turn the actual residents of that region into refugees, like you said before. Yeah, definitely. It's it's uh, it's very similar to that in terms of changing the demographics. So it's definitely a way of shifting the it's definitely a way of shifting the um, opinion in Jammu and Kashmir um, towards uh, Indian rule, which as of now uh, is viewed pretty negatively. With, of course, if more um, uh, Indian uh, government officials or um, Indian citizens were to move into Kashmir. That opinion would obviously change um, to being for uh, the Indian rule, which would also decrease the population of natives in Kashmir. Mm -hmm. So as a Kashmiri, you've definitely felt very connected to this conflict. So how have you been addressing the problem? As a Kashmiri, when we're asked where we're from, um, we're always asked about which side. There's always stigma around it. So no matter where, which side you're from, there's always going to be um, a question asked. And I think it's important to answer um, that question with uh, an explanation of what's going on in the region um, and talk about the issue happening there to raise more awareness about it. So what are we already talked about this like a few minutes ago, but what are the effects of the Indian government's definition of a domicile in Kashmir? Well, it obviously, uh, first off, affects property ownership and rights. Less native Kashmiris can own property and more Indians can come in and own their land. Um, not all native Kashmiris have a sort of uh, evidence and proof to prove their eligibility for a permanent residency, especially in um, many underdeveloped areas. Um, it's so it's discriminating against uh in so it's discriminating against uh this group who basically become refugees and don't get domicile rights since residents would uh, vote in a referendum this would also affect the outcome of a referendum which is a huge uh thing wanted in kashmir um there has to be a referendum to decide whether kashmiris uh want to join either state or become their own state. So if more people end up being residents of Kashmir that favor uh, BJP's rule or their ideology, then obviously that referendum would shift in its votes. Um, and it, it wouldn't be a fair referendum at the end, what we're asking for. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also like about the point um, about how a lot of native Kashmiris don't have the papers to prove the legality of their you know, permanent residency in Kashmir, like, that is a huge problem. Like, you know, in India and, like, Pakistan maybe too, um, like, I've seen personally, like, firsthand, like, 
how poor these people are and like they barely have food they barely have a house like a roof over their head and like have papers like that's a whole other issue so it's like really hard for some of these people to have the papers to prove that they've been living for here for 15 years and like that's a whole issue because like like you said like they're missing out on these important um mm-hmm. rights to property ownership and just like citizenship rights um so yeah like clearly this group is just very biased in its intention to target that group that will like definitely be affected by this um rule and also for those people who are listening and don't know what referendum is it's basically um a government held vote like where the people are directly voting on an issue so in this case, um, you know, in the future, what Kashmir wants, the people of Kashmir want, is that the people of Kashmir would be able to have a referendum of vote to decide whether or not, you know, they either want to be with Pakistan or they want to be with India or they just want to be by themselves, yeah. their own state. And that referendum would, it basically just gives Kashmir the chance to get, voice their opinion, voice what they want. Yeah, but um, now that yeah. a lot of, you know, Indian people are moving into that region, Right. They're obviously going to vote for and in favor of being under uh, India's India, jurisdiction. Yeah. So that kind of just shifts the referendum Outcome. in their favor. It's just right. kind of like a loophole. Yeah, right. it's, it's definitely another uh, tactic that they're using to uh, shift the changes. And I guess another thing that we would fear with um, that sort of uh, shift in opinion and that sort of uh, pressure um, would be how local Kashmiris um, or native Kashmiris themselves would vote in that sort of referendum where there is a huge, uh, uh, we even see it in our countries where there is always backlash uh, for saying that you're going to vote for one party and not the other. Um, This also causes a shift in opinion. Um, These are uh, another, these are also things that would affect that sort of referendum. Uh, Yeah. Like you're talking about voter suppression in a way yeah um, and voter fraud like you know we've seen with the recent india's election i think it was like last year right um voter fraud which is so prominent especially with um indian or sorry indian muslims who are voting um there was evidence of voter fraud so it's just a really complicated situation that would definitely you know skew the results of any yeah. referendum would, that would take place in the region that- that's definitely a huge voter fraud is definitely a huge thing in that region, especially even in Pakistan. In the 2013 election, we saw um, there was there was huge voter fraud between uh, the parties, um, mm-hmm. and the party that won essentially came in with a mass amount of fake votes. Um, mm-hmm. That is also another problem. Another problem is if the uh, Indian military is still present uh, conducting this uh, referendum, right, right. we also have to. It's also they would they would essentially be scaring people and suppressing them into yeah. voting for the Indian side. Mm-hmm. So what are the economic consequences of the internet lockdown and the ongoing pandemic? Um, well, this pandemic, also, uh, the lockdown all started as of August uh, 5th, 2020, um, and which is now known as Black Day. It's been exactly a year since India has taken control, full control of the region. Uh, many shops are closed. This obviously hurts uh, the economy of Kashmir schools. 
Um, a lot of things are closed. Reinforced uh, security due to COVID has made uh, the economy even worse and the situation even even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the funny the the weirdest thing with reinforcement security to COVID is that um, they they aren't helping the situation of uh, coronavirus in the region at all, considering mm-hmm. um, considering the low yeah. internet speed that doctors don't have access to. Um, reports or guidelines which are created by um, doctors outside of Kashmir, um, especially uh, in in uh, America and London and a lot of other regions where they have achieved uh, flattening the curve. Right. Um, New so, technologies, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have this sort of information. They don't have um, ways that they can uh, prevent coronavirus or getting that sort of information. Right. This only, guess, makes, yeah. this only makes the situation worse. So the reinforced security due to COVID is only another excuse to, to control the citizens. Right. Yeah. Like just to put it in perspective, like in the United States, like we have so much technology and we still fail to like, flatten the curve. Like even with all this technology, it was just so hard without proper government supervision. So just imagine in Kashmir, where there's just chaos and economy is like falling apart. They have no tech- access to internet. They have no technology. They can't do contract tracing. They don't have enough tests. And the Indian government is like just not going to help because they don't really care about the welfare of the citizens. So it's just a whole mess. Um, yeah, yeah, the Indian government right now is exploiting all of their um, current yeah. issues and as a, and using it as an excuse to gain more control yeah. of the region. Yeah, and it's also um, when we talk about reinforced security and what this means is not necessarily barring uh, blocking. Uh, it doesn't just extend to that. It also extends to soldiers uh, going out and enforcing this. Um, now, as we've seen in New York City uh, with COVID-19 and reinforcement that the police have held out, this involved a lot an increase in COVID cases because uh, officers who had contracted COVID from someone else we're now uh, going out and enforcing the reinforcement. And then right. citizens are getting COVID yeah. from them. And this way, the, uh, Indian officers assaulting Kashmiris is uh, who have right. COVID are also spreading yeah. COVID. Yeah, it's just not helping the situation at all. It's just the cover for them to like kind of increase like, their agenda. Said. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, this also uh, the entire uh, lockdown also affects tourism, which is also a huge part of um, Kashmir's economy. Um, Kashmir makes a lot of money from tourism, so this sort of lockdown, people don't want to go to a place where not only there isn't proper um, care for COVID, but they also don't want to go to a place with all this military enforcement. Um, right. Not only do they don't want to go. They they can't go because it's a lockdown. Um, you can't leave or enter. Right. Yeah. Like you know, we see Kashmir. Like you know, if you watch like a lot of Indian movies and stuff, you see Kashmir and like in these movies, and it's just a beautiful place, and everyone wants yeah. to go there. Like like I know my parents <laughs> always talk about, oh my god, Kashmir is so beautiful. You definitely want to go there. And then like now you have this. It's kind of like I don't know, just imagine like. It's just a beautiful place. It's being completely destroyed by a military presence, by lack of technology. So it's like oh, not yeah. safe to travel. You don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know who's gonna like. You know, you're you're gonna encounter 
it's just a really um yeah. situation and not, no one wants to be in that you know exactly not only that um it's also uh there's both sides are building um infrastructure in kashmir to benefit themselves which mm-hmm. also ruins its uh Beauty. ecosystem yeah yeah so currently kashmir only has access to very slow and unreliable 2g net uh network and internet so how would you respond to india's argument that quote the right to access the internet is not a fundamental right and that pakistan could exploit a 5g internet in kashmir to plan their attacks against india first of all the 4g has been around for a while if <laughs> wanted to do this they could have done it for they could have done it a long time ago right and second speaking pakistan isn't uh it has some of the world's best technologies when it comes to military there are plenty of other ways that if pakistan wanted to attack it could Um, so uh, not saying that the internet is not a fundamental right in the 21st century is uh is entirely blown away it's it's (laughs) like it the it's basically saying that access to information is not a right. It's basically yeah. saying that it, it's it's okay for us to bar people from ac- accessing information. Um, it's basically becoming very authoritative of over Kashmir. Um, internet in this day and age is a fundamental right if someone can afford it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly, it's. Everyone in the outside world has access to the internet in Pakistan and even in India. In the poorest areas, they have access to the internet. Right. Because it's not that hard to act, it's not that hard to afford. It's um, there's a lot of uh, it's a totally different discussion to talk about how first of all expensive it is for in these areas to afford the internet, but it's definitely possible when it comes to affordability. Um, uh, we, there are people in Kashmir definitely have uh, phones and things like that to access the internet. It's limiting it and saying it's not a fundamental right. It's just saying uh, it's just barring off information and saying that that is not their right. So when it comes back to uh, Pakistan using uh, these sort of things and exploiting it, it's it always comes down to this fear monger. It's using this sort of fear monger of yeah. Pakistan against uh enforcing these sort of restrictions on the topic of like internet and the shutdown uh, th- there's been like a lack of reporting from that area from kashmir so whatever whatever we hear about what's going on there is coming from news sources in india or in pakistan so they're obviously biased and news yeah. sources from india will say that pakistan is trying right. to attack them and exactly and uh, some of the mo- more authentic sources that we get into where um New York Times, uh, when their reporters went into Kashmir to look at uh, the situation, um, when it comes down to things that are very unbiased, we start to see the the reality of these things um, and how much uh, control is being put over the region. Mm -hmm. And it also comes down to where there were a lot of photographers in Kashmir that were uh, captured as actually happening in Kashmir. And they got arrested. I think there was, I forgot the name of the girl. Um, but there was a huge backlash that happened after. Um, they were um, arrested by the Indian government? Yeah, there was another, there was a photographer that, in Kashmir that was arrested by the Indian government. There was a huge backlash over it. And this is 
this is common. There, a journalist get attacked. A journalist get um, arrested every day. They get put under house arrest or they get locked up in an actual prison. Many of the politicians who are separatists, um, a lot of the politicians that don't share BJP's uh, narrative, which is most of Kashmir's native politicians, which is uh, the only politicians that uh, share BJP's agenda are the ones that are placed there. Uh, by by the government, so most of Kashmir's own politicians are in uh, house arrest. So Kashmir, at this point, doesn't have its own government. It's it's like, well, like uh, the Indian government has been taking out their actual politicians and replacing them with their puppets to yeah force their narrative. Pretty much, and when it comes back down to uh, how internet access is uh, affects, uh, like I said before, the COVID. There is no information. There is a lack of information for when it comes to COVID. Um, there was a specific incident where Kashmiri doctors wanted to download a uh, ICU guideline for COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, it took hours. And it was a 25 megabyte report. Wow. Uh, 25 megabyte report download for hours. Uh, no one wants to use the internet when it's that slow. Like we think about over here. Like when when something doesn't load for a while, like when my phone doesn't load for a while, you just put it down and you just don't bother with it anymore. So, <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. it's just an excuse. It's just to say that they've given them uh, this sort of internet access, but it's actually like they don't really have internet because it doesn't work. Right. Uh, so, in your opinion, do you think autonomy is possible? Yes, definitely. Through a referendum, they can create their own state. And when it comes down to the economy, Kashmir can definitely have its own economy. Now, uh, this is the thing that I think both sides uh, misunderstand. Oh, Kashmir needs uh, someone to help its economy they need someone they can't do it all no no nation can do it all on its own every nation has trade every nation has an alliance we can't uh, even in the united states if we were if we were to start making everything in the united states this is a wholly different topic but everything would become entirely expensive if we were to start making everything in the united states that is why we trade with other countries India and uh, Pakistan have their own trades, as as funny as it sounds. So it's it, it, Kashmir would definitely trade with both India and Pakistan to make a lot of its economy. It has a, a great export of fabrics, uh, things like that, that would bring it a lot of money. Um, tourism, uh, it's it's a beautiful site. It's it, it's a beautiful place to go. Um, and as you said, even. Both sides kind of glorify the landscape and the geography right. of the place. Mm-hmm. So it would make a lot of money from tourism itself. And second, the Indus River runs right through it. So it has it has the it has power over who gets clean water essentially. Mm-hmm. So that is another huge resource. Second, the amount of dams and uh, rivers that run through Kashmir. It also has another resource, and that is electricity generated by dams. It can sell that electricity um, to either side. And both sides do have dams in Kashmir where they export electricity from. And this is another reason they don't want to let go of it. It is a huge resource for both of them. And Kashmir can basically market this and make a lot of money to sustain itself. So it definitely has resources. It definitely has a means of making money. and when it comes down to military support, the the UN and NATO, the, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily troops that are protecting their own homeland; they're protecting someone else's land. Um, yeah. So 
there are a few countries in the world as well that aren't uh, that don't have their own military. I think Kashmir could have its own military, but there are there are countries in the world that don't have their own military. Um, they are protected from another country's military. Like there, I forgot the name of the country, but there's there's another country that is protected by France's military instead of their own. There is no doubt that the Kashmir could be protected from invasion, and it could hold itself and make its own money and have its own economy. There is no doubt. These are just points that are used to brush off uh, an argument to say that it could be its own nation. Mm-hmm. I think, like, you bring up the point, like, it's kind of interesting that it's kind of ironic, right? Like, both sides are saying that Kashmir is incapable of being on its own. But in reality, it has all the potential to be on its yeah, own. It, it has, has the resources. More natural yeah. Right. <laughs> it's literally so capable of being on its own. But they're just, like, switching up the narrative and being like, oh, no, like, they need us. But, like, and, like, now, like, it's just, like, Exactly. reverse I, situation where Kashmir is now the victim and, you know, these countries are trying, you know, extend their exactly. control over it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also, it comes down to the question of, like, both of these countries have a huge poverty issue, um, but yet they talk about helping Kashmir. It, does, it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't balance out the, the argument. Right. So, why do you think people should be concerned? Like, you know, regular people, like, living in America, living in other countries, why should they be concerned about what's happening in Kashmir? Um, well, obviously, other uh, other than putting aside the ethical reasons of being concerned about <laughs> yeah. Kashmir, um, it's also that with the involvement of allies, the world could undergo another uh, another world war, essentially, right. that started by India and Pakistan, in which weapons of mass destruction are used because um, this is another threat that has been made. Um, nuclear war between just Pakistan and India could trigger an instant climate change, including leading to a nuclear winter, which would engulf nearly um, an entire part of the uh, of the world's atmosphere, which would and right over India and Pakistan as well. Both are huge uh, countries for farm. For they, they both mm-hmm. have both, both agriculture. Are, yeah, yeah. Both countries have an amazing uh, farm farmlands for agriculture. Um, you look at nearly any uh, rice bag in in a, a store; it's it's gonna be from either India or Pakistan. Um, so these uh, this would also uh, be a huge part of the world's uh, food and and trade that would literally be just uh, abolished. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if this conflict escalates; it could affect the economy everywhere else exactly it would essentially uh starve the entire world and i don't exaggerate when i would say that (laughs) yeah um like globalization just connects us all so yeah like the economy every economy is connected so if kashmir the situation in kashmir would is to escalate pakistan's economy and india's economy would be affected but also its allies like china the u.s it would all be affected like you know like i think with covid we saw this where because China shut down, um, yeah. and like India shut down, like our medicine comes from India, like the drugs come from India, or everything is manufactured in China. So just like having those countries shut down, and like, and then prices here also went up. Right. Yeah. It's just a comp. It, it's just really. It's a huge issue, and we have to take that into account. Yeah, um, it's just it's not mind. just an issue between India and Pakistan or for right. Kashmiris. It's a global issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it definitely has uh, 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 
the whole world at stake if if it escalates. Mm-hmm. And like both countries have nuclear weapons, like right? Yeah, um, I believe I believe that the um, the number that they gave was that if both sides were able to were were to fire fifty missiles, so Pakistan fires fifty, India fires fifty, mm-hmm. that is the limit that would reach a nuclear winter. And Pakistan, I believe, I might be wrong, has about uh, around 140. And India has nearly 500. So they definitely have, uh, just those two countries have the capability of destroying the entire world. Wow. So what exactly is a nuclear winter? A nuclear winter is basically where uh, the smoke that results from, Mm. um, uh, from a nuclear war it would engulf the, the entire region essentially mm-hmm. and it would create a type of a winter now this sort of winter isn't just like you know um isn't like snow comes and the sun comes out and then it melts right. it's like I'm, i might be wrong in my definition uh but it basically means that the smoke that would be created from a nuclear war would block the sun off and it would right. uh, it would also create a, a series of other natural disasters. Um, mm-hmm. So all in all, it would just be really harmful to people, like human yeah, health, would, their welfare, everything. It, like. In a sense, it would be the death of both nations and, and everyone around them. Right. And it would starve the other side of the world, and it would just pretty much kill that part. And, like, guys, look up yeah. a picture of, of nuclear winter. Like, the pictures are scary. Like, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, it would it would basically mean the death of uh, plant life in in those areas if they're not getting any sunlight. Wow! Oh my God, this is like post apocalyptic. Yeah, <laughs> it's so now if if plants die, we all know what happens after yeah. that. So, what do you urge the Kashmiri community living outside the region to do? Is there like anything you want to tell them? Yeah, well, the yeah. first thing I would say is understand the issue. Um, uh, and represent, uh, I guess, your Kashmiri identity. Um, understand the issue, read about it, uh, stay updated, uh, learn about your Kashmiri culture. Um, it's it's a beautiful culture. Um, uh, the language is, is a beautiful language. Um, if you can do a bit more, try and learn your language, and so that um, it doesn't uh, the the language doesn't fade away. Because as we know, uh, especially with uh, India colonizing Kashmir, um, there's going to be a huge also influence of Hindi, which is, is which is going to which might uh, fade away kosher, uh, which is the, which means Kashmiri. Um, so if you can try and learn the language, um, but uh, what we all should do is understand this issue, uh, stay updated with it, know what is happening in Kashmir. Um, and when someone asks where you're from, say you're Kashmiri. As we know with a lot of like war-torn countries like Palestine, like culture, cuisine, and heritage, like it starts to get stripped away because the focus is more on the civil unrest. Oh, yeah. Surviving. It's like when, when a nation is, when you're struggling to survive, you don't focus on our, yeah. all these great things. Um, and Kashmir at a point was in a good place. So it had... Uh, produced a lot of great culture, uh, art, and and the sort of things, um, but now now that it's in like it is in survival mode essentially, it's um, it's not going to focus on these things. So uh, we have to we have to n- understand the culture and these things to keep them alive. Um, 
and also educating other people on the issue brings a lot of awareness awareness and as a kashmiri i believe that uh, we should have we have a duty to echo the voices of our brothers and sisters back home till they are free now this doesn't essentially mean uh, this doesn't mean pushing my own narrative and what i believe um like uh and a lot, a lot of kashmiris moved down to uh, pakistan after uh, all the conflict happened um, even my tribe, uh, we, we moved down to uh, Pakistan, Punjab. Um, now, the, the, this also affects our opinion. You know, uh, a lot of Pakistani Kashmiris have uh, have a Pakistani identity, and they want Kashmir to be a part of Pakistan. I think mm-hmm. that we have to put down that sort of our own desires and our own um, egos and the desires for our own identity. We have to put that down and echo the. The voices directly from Kashmir. What exactly do they want? Right. What do they believe? Giving them uh, a chance to speak and like decide exactly. for themselves. Exactly, their voices are very uh, suppressed. They they can't. It, this also involves reading a lot of uh, Kashmiri artwork, poetry, um, understanding what they believe, uh, what their lifestyle is like. So this mm-hmm. is. Uh, putting... so I guess like people who are not living in Kashmir right now and that that um, situation yeah people who are living in the west they would they can do best to try to promote kashmiri culture and um and yeah, view. yeah. Keep it definitely alive. definitely keep, keep uh support and the biggest thing that i think we uh should support is a referendum and a fair mm-hmm. referendum as i said because there are ways that it doesn't become fair right. uh, we should definitely, uh support a fair referendum because whatever decision uh, kashmiris um, might make from this fair referendum is what we have to fully support. Um, so yeah, it's basically just uh, understanding your culture and um, and promoting it. Uh, um, you know, it this is your culture. Uh, this is where you come from, and I think that it's entirely okay to celebrate that and uh, bring it back into your households. Um, and use words uh, even it even co- it comes down to like um, instead of saying thank you you know just say Meherbani you're building back that culture inside of your household bits by bits mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and helping promote it mm-hmm. and also another thing I think I talked about this on another uh, talk show with uh, someone a few days ago also promote Kashmiri art and there's a lot of artists inside Kashmir um, the biggest thing is our fabrics it has a lot to do with um, the economy there. Art is a huge part of the culture and, and uh, where people make money from. So definitely promote artists there. If you want to buy uh, something that is Kashmiri, like a, a parna or um, a chador, or, uh, buy it authentically made from Kashmir, uh, someone's pocket in Kashmir. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like just building off of what we just talked about, like we we're going to talk about how the ways that you can get involved and help out with this, um, you know, really important uh, issue. Um, so one thing that I thought was really um, important for people to know about and try to get involved with is um, action committees. So there's actually an action committee that I recently got involved with um, during quarantine. Um, so there's this uh, student-led movement called STAND, and basically their purpose is to end mass atrocities. So they have multiple action committees for um, the crisis in Burma, the crisis in Kashmir, the crisis in Yemen. Um, and you can just choose which uh, committees to be part of. 
So like I personally, I've joined the Burma and um, Yemen committee so far, um, but like you can definitely join the Kashmir Action Committee. They do a lot of good work. Um, a lot of the points that we made today in our current events update, we got from their social media um, accounts and they just like post information about um, just like current events and what's happening and just like keep people up to date about each crisis. And like through this action committee, you can also participate in lobbying and just like reaching out um, to local representatives and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Like there are uh, a lot of like relief funds you can donate to as well and, and websites like freekashmir.org is a website where you can place your donations and they also have like articles to keep you up to date on the current events there and i think the best thing you can do is educate yourself spread awareness because this issue is not getting enough coverage in media mm-hmm. um, but, but ilhan omar actually um addressed this the kashmir conflict at a u.s congress congressional hearing and so another way about like on that note, another way you can get involved is to write a letter to your senator or congressman slash woman and urge them to talk about this issue. Um, yeah, yeah, you can mass call them. Um, <laughs> just like, you know. Mass call them. <laughs> mass call. Yeah. Just like, you know, everyone can just, you know, call up their local representative and be like, yo, you need to talk about this issue because it's just so important and it's affecting so many lives and, you know. Yeah. yeah another i guess another page i can promote is stand with kashmir mm-hmm. um yeah uh there's definitely a lot of great uh information resources they uh they provide uh uh cited information for everything that they use as well um a lot of uh they share a lot of parts of the kashmiri culture as well there mm-hmm. uh, but mostly it's very good uh information and infographics that you can read on their uh they have a facebook and instagram and a website as well mm-hmm. um but i think instagram is probably going to be the uh, most easiest way to um learn about it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so the conflict in kashmir is a humanitarian crisis that definitely de- deserves more media attention and a united global response um and the people of Kashmir have had to witness and experience um, an increase in military presence, uh, the enforcement of curfews, disappearances of family members, and the arrest of thousands. And these aggressive moves by India suggest that it is doing everything in its power to stifle any form of protest in the region. So we've discussed in this episode that the escalation in the region will result in dire consequences not only for neighboring Pakistan and India, but also for many major countries um, in the West and around the world. So it's essential that we all continue to repost information about the crisis on social media and pressure our local congressional representatives to speak out about this issue. And we hope that by listening to this episode, you feel inspired to take action and inshallah, get involved in this important issue. Um, we will post information about the crisis on Instagram that you can check out and feel free to repost anything we share. Uh, so, so hey, do you want to just tell everyone where they can check you out. Yeah. Um, well, my main page is on Instagram is uh, at Zoheb Cheetah. And this is where I post most of the things that I'm working on, projects, et cetera, everything. Um, and my other uh, design page, which is my art page, essentially, um, is at Zoheb Cheetah dot design. Mm-hmm. And you can check us out on Instagram at, um, at growing up halal. And I'll say that again. And you can check us out on Instagram at outgoingapalal. Um, 
And also, sorry, guys, we said we were going to do uh, Ask Us Anything last Friday, but we got really busy and we didn't get to do it. But we'll probably do it, like, some other time this week. And um, see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. It definitely helps someone's pocket in Kashmir. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, just building off of what we were just talking about, like, we are going to talk about the ways that you can get involved and help out with this, um, you know, really important uh, issue. Um, so one thing that I thought was really um, important for people to know about and try to get involved with is um, action committees. So there's actually an action committee that I recently got involved with um, during quarantine. Um, so there's this uh, student-led movement called STAND. And basically their purpose is to end mass atrocities. So they have multiple action committees for um, the crisis in Burma, the crisis in Kashmir, the crisis in Yemen, um, and you can just choose which uh, committees to be part of. So like I personally, I've joined the Burma and um, Yemen committee so far, um, but like, you can definitely join the Kashmir Action Committee. They do a lot of good work. Um, a lot of the points that we made today in our current events update, we got from their social media um, account and they just like post information about um, just like current events and what's happening and just like keep people up to date about each crisis. and. Like through this action committee, you can also participate in lobbying and just like reaching out um, to local representatives and all that. Yeah, yeah. There are uh, a lot of like relief funds you can donate to as well and, and websites like freekashmir.org is a website where you can place your donations and they also have like articles to keep you up to date on the current events there. And I think the best thing you can do is educate yourself, spread awareness, because this issue is not getting enough coverage in media. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Ilhan Omar actually um addressed this the Kashmir conflict at a US. There are a lot of like relief funds you can donate to as well, and and websites like freekashmir.org is a website where you can place your donations, and they also have like articles to keep you up to date on the current events there. And I think the best thing you can do is educate yourself, spread awareness, because this issue is not getting enough coverage in media. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Ilhan Omar actually um addressed this the Kashmir conflict at a US congressional hearing and on that note another way you can get involved is to write a letter to your senator or congressman slash woman and urge them to talk about this issue Um, yeah you can mass call them um (laughs) just like you know (laughs) mass call call. yeah you know everyone can just you know call up their local representative and be like yo you need to talk about this issue because it's just so important and it's affecting so many lives and you know yeah. yeah another i guess another page i can promote is stand with kashmir mm-hmm. um yeah uh there's definitely a lot of great uh information resources provide uh, cited information for everything that they use as well a lot of they share a lot of parts of the kashmiri culture as well there mm-hmm. um, but mostly it's very good uh information and infographics that you can read on their uh i believe they have a facebook and instagram and a website as well um, but I think Instagram is probably going to be the uh, most easiest way to um, learn about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The conflict in Kashmir is a humanitarian crisis that definitely de- deserves more media attention and a united global response. Um, and the people of Kashmir have had to witness and experience um, an increase in military presence, uh, the enforcement of curfews, disappearances of family members, and the arrest of thousands. And these aggressive moves by India suggest that it is doing everything in its power to stifle any form of protest in the region. 
So we've discussed in this episode that the escalation in the region will result in dire consequences, not only for neighboring Pakistan and India, but also for many major countries um, in the West and around the world. So it's essential that we all continue to repost information about the crisis on social media and pressure our local congressional representatives to speak out about this issue. And we hope that by listening to this episode, you feel inspired to take action and inshallah, get involved in this important issue. Um, We will post information about the crisis on Instagram that you can check out and feel free to repost anything we share. Uh, So so, Zohaib, do you want to just tell everyone where they can check you out? Yeah, um, well, my main page is on Instagram is uh, at Zohaib Cheetah. And this is where I post most of the things that I'm working on, projects, et cetera, everything. Um, And my other uh, design page, which is my art page, essentially, um, is at ZohaibCheetah.design. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, so so um, and I uh, thank you so much for uh, asking me to come here and, and you know, uh, talk more about the issue. And you can check us out on Instagram at OutgoingUpHalal. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.